We have been in a series lately called Blood, and we spent two weeks in it so far. Tonight's the third week, and uh, we're going to recap a little bit of that stuff just to make sure we're all on the same page tonight, and then we're going to get into a pretty big deal story in the Bible. It's one of the biggest stories and most important stories that you'll find in the Bible, actually. So before we get into that, though, let's recap a little bit. We started the very first week talking about what blood actually is. And blood represents something. Does anybody know what it represents? Yes. Life. Yes. Blood equals life. Very good. 100,000 points to you. Um, Next, we said there was this thing called sacrifice that's wrapped up in like blood and sacrifice kind of go hand in hand when you read the Bible and you read through these things and you see all these lines connecting different things. Blood and sacrifice are connecting a lot of stories in the Bible and a lot of truths about who God is. So, does anybody remember what sacrifice equals? We've talked about it two weeks now. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, love. You guys are good. 100,000 points to you as well. So, blood equals life and sacrifice equals love. And then Tyler came in last week and talked about Abraham and Isaac and how those two little equations kind of played into this story about a father and a son and how God asked Abraham to kill his son Isaac. And at first glance, you're like, what are you talking about? God's mean. That's jacked up. I hope he doesn't say that to my dad. I'm not going home tonight. Like, that's that's weird. That's messed up. But... At the end of the day, it was coming back to this idea that sacrifice equals love, and Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son because he loved who more than his son? God. And God loved Abraham and Isaac enough and more to where Abraham didn't have to do that. He said, no, 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 stop. Don't kill Isaac. So if you missed last week, he didn't kill his son. That didn't happen. He provided an animal that could be killed instead of his son so that a sacrifice could still be made so that blood could still be spilled for life to still happen because we see that sin has to be, has to be atoned for. Like you've got to pay for sin. Sin is an issue from the very beginning of creation until now. So blood continues to be this thing that's needed to be sacrificed in order for us to experience life Because blood equals life and sacrifice equals love. We do these things. We sacrifice things because we love God. God sacrifices things because he loves us. So that leads us into the story that we're going to get into tonight. So to get into this story, I've got to to set us up. I've got to get us all to this place to where we understand what this story is. So the nation of Israel is what the whole Old Testament is. It's the people that we follow through the whole Old Testament. This nation of Israel, the Jewish people, right? So if you remember the story of Joseph, the guy with the coat of many colors, does anybody remember that from Sunday school? If you grew up around church, yeah, the coat of many colors, that was Joseph, right? So he wound up being in Egypt, and he wound up being the second in command of Egypt, and his whole family came to Egypt ultimately because he was there. And his family was the Jewish nation, was the nation of Israel. And they multiplied and they grew and they got bigger and bigger and bigger and they stayed in is or they stayed in Egypt for years and years and years and years and then eventually they're a huge group of people but they're in Egypt and instead of being just like a part of the nation 
of Egypt. They're these slaves that are used to build these huge pyramids and these huge buildings and these things that are in the country. So they're being used as slave labor in this place called Egypt. So this is where we're at. Israel has grown to be this this big group of people, and they're slaves trapped there. Now, a guy named Moses, some of you maybe have heard of him, he was raised in Pharaoh's house, but he was an Israelite. He was a Jewish person. He didn't necessarily live like that because he lived in the Pharaoh's house, but he eventually leaves Pharaoh's house, goes off and raises sheep in the desert. Then God calls him out in this burning bush moment. Some of you have heard that story before, where there's this bush that's being burned, but it doesn't burn up. Like it's on fire, but it doesn't burn, really. It's burning, but not burning. And God speaks to him through this burning bush and tells him he's going to set God's people free. So Moses gets this call to go free Israel from Egypt. So he goes to Pharaoh and he talks to him. And this is where... We're getting close to picking up the story. He asked Pharaoh to release his people because God has said to. Pharaoh, guess what he says? Nah. He says, no, not going to happen. So Moses proceeds to follow what God has asked and keep asking Pharaoh to release Israel. Release my people. Let my people go. Y'all remember the story? Pharaoh, Pharaoh. Anybody? No? It's a really old song. If you remember it, way to go. Um, But he keeps saying no. So God brings these plagues to try to to get Pharaoh to change his mind, convince him, let my people go. I am God. Do what I'm asking. And Pharaoh continues to say no. Nine plagues happen. Things like gnats filling the air. Like I'm talking like thick tons of gnats, flies, boils. Boils are like nasty, huge zits all over you. Yeah. And they hurt. They're painful. So there's like everybody in Egypt has boils. Everybody in Egypt's covered in gnats. Everybody in Egypt has these things called locusts that that are everywhere. Then he turns the Nile River into blood. Do you know how freaky that would be? Do you know how big the Nile River is? It's massive. Just imagine the Chattahoochee River around here turning into blood. That would freak everyone out. Like, we would all be like, what's happening? (laughs) This is not good. So these are the things that are happening. God is continuing to try to point Pharaoh to the fact that he is God and he's asking him to let his people go. And Pharaoh is continuing to say no. Now, something to know about Pharaoh is Pharaoh believed himself to be God. He thought he was a deity, which means he was a God. He was all-powerful, all-knowing, all those things. Now, we can look at this story and know that's not true. But the God who actually is all-powerful and all-knowing is asking him to do something, and he's continuing to deny it because he thinks he's God. And so finally on this 10th plague... God says, this is going to be my last one. Like, this is, the last, this is the last thing here. He's going to come across the nation late at night 
And when he passes by, the firstborn of every family and even the animal families, like livestock, is going to die if you don't let my people go. Pharaoh still says, no. No, get out of here. I'm not doing what God's asked. And this is where we pick up the story in Exodus 12. So, check this out. We're going to read through certain verses. For the sake of time, we're not going to read through the entire thing. So I'm going to read a few verses and say, skip down a couple, read this one, skip down a couple. It's not going to pop up on screen, so if you've got a physical Bible, you can look at it. If not, just listen to my voice, okay? So here we go. Exodus 12, verse 3 says, tell, and this is God speaking, okay? God is speaking to Moses and telling him this. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb from his family, one for each household. Now skip down another verse, and you go to verse 5. It says, the animals you choose must be one-year-old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Skip down another verse to verse 7. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and the tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night, they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. What does all this mean? God is telling them what, like this plan to do. It's a sacrifice. Now, they're used to sacrifice. This is something that's been going on in the Bible for a while. The nation of Israel knows that they have sin. They know that they need to make that right, so they need to sacrifice things. And so God is telling them, hey, you need to get a lamb that's one year old, that's a male, and that's without defect. So it can't be like the little runt of the litter. It can't be one that's got a gimpy leg. Like it's got to be a good one. Why does it have to be a good one? Well, because it's got to actually be a sacrifice. It's kind of like when somebody asks you for some money and you reach in, in your pocket and you pull out like a ten, a five, and a quarter. And you're like, here's a quarter. <laughs> That's kind of like what we could do with a sacrifice like this. When God says, hey, give me a lamb, they could be like, okay, I'm going to pick the one that has like no meat on its bones, that's gimpy and old and diseased, and it's going to die anyway. Like that's not much of a sacrifice. But, but getting a male that's a year old that's without defect is an actual sacrifice for a family. It's a, it's a hit, and it shows actual sacrifice. So this is why they picked this. This is why God has asked for this type of a lamb. And so this is what he's starting to set up, this plan for what's about to happen with this last plague. Because God said he's going to kill the firstborn of every family in Egypt. So what about Israel? Because they're in Egypt. That's what God's breaking down right now. So let's look down at the next verse, or next, next section here. Verse 12 says, On that same night I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. So let's stop right there and talk about that for a second. So you get this lamb, you sacrifice it, then you're supposed to take the blood and you're supposed to put it on the door frame of your house, like going into where you live. 
This is what Israel's being told to do by Moses, who was told to do this by who? God. So they're told, hey, you got to sacrifice a lamb, you take the blood, you put it on the door frame, then you go and cook it, you eat it, don't come out until morning. And then he says, why? He says, do all this, because if you just hear that and you're like, I don't know why, that sounds crazy. You're like, what? Like, if you walked up to a house and there was blood all over the door frame, what would you do? Run! You better run! If you're like, oh, I'd walk in! You're crazy! That's nutty! That doesn't make any sense. If you see blood all over a door frame, you're going to run the other way. You don't know where that blood came from. Could have been an animal. Could have been a person. Get out! But this is what God's telling them to do. Take blood, rub it all over your door frame. And here's why, because when I come through Egypt tonight and I see that blood, it will be a sign to me that you have sacrificed, that you love me and that you're mine. And I'm going to pass by. I'm going to pass over you. And this is where we get the name Passover. This is where the story comes from or this ritual of celebrating the Passover. It's where God passes over the Israelites and he does not harm them. He actually lets them all live. And this whole plan was his to rescue them. This whole thing about the lamb and the sacrifice and the putting it on the doorpost eating this meal and staying inside until morning. It was all to save them, to rescue them from this Pharaoh and this nation that's rebelling against God. The God who knows them, who loves them, who made them, and who's trying to redeem the whole world ultimately, but they are rebelling against it. So he's like, okay, they are not responding to anything I have done. It has come to this. But I have to save my people. And this is how we're going to do it. So, verse 28. The Israelites did just what the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in Egypt, from the firstborn of the Pharaoh who sat on the throne to the firstborn of the prisoner who was in the dungeon, and the firstborn of all the livestock as well. During the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Up, leave my people, you and the Israelites. Go worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and herds, as you have said, and go. And also bless me. So God does what he said he was going to do, just like he's done this entire time with all these other plagues. He's like, listen, Pharaoh, let my people go or this is going to happen. Okay, he said, no, this happened. Okay, Pharaoh, seriously, this time, let my people go or else this is going to happen. Okay, no, okay, this happened. Then finally, okay, Pharaoh, seriously, nine times I've asked you. This is the 10th time. If you don't let my people go, this is going to happen. No. And this is what happens. Pharaoh wakes up in the middle of the night and he sees what's happened. What him rejecting constantly, this God who's pursuing him, what it has led to. It's led to death, which is what sin always leads to. And he finally gives in and he says, go, go. Take 
all your people, take your flocks, get out of here and go worship your God that you've been talking about this whole time. And I love what he says right there at the end, and bless me. There's something in him that sees that this is really God, that he's not God and this is really God. And so this blood on the doorpost of the Israelites was their salvation, not only from death, it kept any of the firstborn in the Israelites' families from dying, and their flocks and everything, it kept all that safe, but it also led to their, their freedom from slavery. They're not slaves anymore. The Pharaoh lets them go, and they're able to leave, and they're free. And all that happened because God gave them this rescue plan. God set all this up. The whole purpose of all of this was to get them out of Egypt so that they could be free, so that they could pursue him and know him and have this relationship again like he intended in the first place. And so he could continue to redeem the world and rescue us from sin. And so God had this rescue plan. He gave them this rescue plan. It was his idea to free them. Because God loved them. And what's awesome is God loves you. He loves me. And this rescue plan doesn't just apply to the nation of Israel. It applies to us too. He's looking at us and how many of us are in slavery. Not literal slavery. But the kind of slavery where you're trapped in your own sin. You're trapped in the decisions you keep making. You're trapped in these things that are constantly hurting you or other people. Because it happens to us all the time. Jesus even says sin leads to slavery. Sin is slavery. It leads to death. And just like he frees Israel, he's pursuing us. He wants to free us. And the key is the same as it was for Israel. The key for them was this blood. And God is still judging sin just like he did then. But he's still calling his people to life and to freedom. And the same thing that freed the the Israelites frees us. The blood of an innocent spotless lamb. That's still the key. Anybody here have a uh, one-year-old male lamb? hanging around in your bedroom? That is really weird. We need to talk after this. You don't need to be having no petting zoo in your bedroom. That's weird. That still shouldn't be in your bedroom. A one-year-old male goat should not be in your bedroom. That's weird. So, hands down, I'm assuming you're joking or it's a stuffed sheep or something weird. But here's the thing. He's not ta- we're not talking about a literal lamb. You don't need a literal lamb anymore. There's a reason you don't see when you walk in our church a big altar up here that's got blood stains all over it anymore. That used to be the way tabernacle, the tabernacle was. We're going to get into that next week. There was blood stains everywhere from having to make sacrifices. Giving these things over to God because of our sin. But God took care of all of that. And he gave us this lamb that covers over everything. This is different than the lamb that we just talked about at Passover, that they rubbed on the doorpost, because that only lasted for so long. 
It saved them that one night. It led to their freedom. But ultimately, Israel wound up in slavery again later. The blood Jesus offers us now that God gives us is through Jesus, and it's Jesus' blood. And the reason they call him the Lamb of God is because God passes over us still today. And he's calling us to freedom still today, and he's calling us out of slavery, and he's calling us to live. Stop staying in this place of sin that's ultimately just going to lead to death. Come step into life. Step into a relationship with him. And so the story of the Passover is not just a story from thousands of years ago. It's a story of now. And it's going to lead us eventually in two weeks to this place called the cross. But tonight, you don't have to wait two weeks. You could accept Jesus tonight. You could, you could embrace this rescue plan because this rescue plan is a permanent rescue plan. It's not something that just lasts for a little while. Jesus' blood lasts forever because it was perfect. And it covered everybody's sins. And so the same thing that happened then can happen now. And he's calling us to this same thing now. Life, freedom, resurrection, redemption. And so where you're at, I just want you to close your eyes for me. Not because somebody's going to come around and do something weird to you. Not because there's anything magical about it. I just want you to be able to focus. So with your eyes closed, you focused and actually hearing what I'm saying, I want you to have a moment with God. Ask him if you're living in this freedom and in this life. If the answer is yes, I know Jesus, I know this life, I know this freedom. Ask him to help you to live every single day in that. To never forget it. To always remember that God is passing over you. And he's blessing you. He's giving you life and he's giving you freedom. If your answer is no to that question, you're like, no, I have not experienced that. I do not get that. That has not clicked with me. It's because you just need Jesus. He is the key to that. He is the only way to truly experience that in life. And just like closing your eyes isn't magical, there's no magical, specific worded prayer you have to pray to accept Jesus. You just need an honest moment between God where you confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he's Lord. So however you want to do that, cry out to him, ask him to rescue you, ask him to save you. You want to embrace and accept Jesus in your own words where you're sitting. I'm going to give you a second to do that. And then we're going to pray together. God, I pray for all of my middle school friends that are here tonight that are maybe struggling with living in the freedom and the life that you've already given them through the blood of Jesus. I pray that they would embrace it more and more every day, that they would live in it more and more every day, that they would turn away from their sin and they would follow you. Embrace your love. Embrace your freedom that you have for them, God. And for the ones that maybe had never done that before, they'd never experienced it before because they'd never accepted Jesus before, I pray that they 
that did that tonight or that are going to do that tonight would tell somebody that they would be encouraged by somebody, that they would have people walk alongside them to, to grow in that understanding and that relationship. And I thank you for anybody who did that tonight. And so help us to just continue to focus in on you, on the, the lamb that was slain, not the lamb of the Old Testament Passover, but the lamb of the New Testament Passover, of Jesus help us to just worship you because we can be free. We can experience your love. We can be redeemed and we can be rescued. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.